Hey, 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 y'all, just real quick before we play this episode. But if you're considering applying for the 2025, oh my gosh, 2025 cohort of Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program for professionals who support and work with parents, I want you to head over to robingobel.com slash being with right now and get your name on the waiting list. We're going to do applications and registration a little differently this year because of the already overwhelming interest in the 2025 cohort. So we're going to open applications up first only to folks on the waiting list. That means in order to be one of our early applicants, we need you to sign up on that waiting list before June 25th. RobinGobel.com slash being with, and I'll get that link down in the show notes as well. Alrighty, here's the episode. Hello, hello. I'm Robin Gobel, and this is the Parenting After a Trauma podcast, where I'll be taking the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translating all of that for parents of children who have experienced trauma. This podcast was created to get you free, easily accessible support as fast as possible. So each episode is the audio from my weekly Facebook Lives with no fancy or time-consuming editing. Check the show notes for any links, downloads, or resources I mention. Thanks for inviting me onto your journey. I hope you enjoy. Today, what I want us to talk about is the concept of regulation and specifically, like, what does that even mean? What does regulation have to do with anything? Like, why am I even talking about it all the time? Because I am talking about it all the time. Like, I'm talking about it all the time professionally, you are going to read the word regulation in my blogs and my videos on my website. And I'm positive. I use it a ton in my personal life too. Like I'm positive my husband and my son and my best friend and my parents and everybody would say, yes, yes, yes. We hear the word regulation a lot. So let's pause and define like what regulation even means. And then let's talk about why do I think it's so important when thinking about kids and behaviors and our ultimate goal, which is healing the brain and the body and the nervous system um, of kids who have experienced complex trauma. So the word regulation really is simply about balance and being in balance. And it's a word that applies to a lot of different things, like way past parenting and way beyond behaviors, right? So think about the word regulation in context of like the heating and cooling systems in our houses, Right, that the thermostat is this device that acquires the data that's needed for our healing or cooling system to remain in regulation. So the thermostat is taking the information in that lets us know, like, what's the temperature in the room? And then that information helps the heating and cooling system know if it needs like more accelerator, it needs more heat or more air conditioning, or if it needs more break, it needs to back off of 
the heat or it needs to back off of the air conditioner. So the thermostat kind of helps acquire this data and then gives the data over to the heating and cooling system so that the heating and cooling system can stay in balance. It can remain regulated based on what works for us, right? Like based on what our preferences are. And I can say recently we've had to do a little work on the heating system in one particular part of our house because the system that helped the heat stay in regulation got a little bit wonky and it would do one or the other. Sometimes it would be a freezing, you know, to drop down. Like I'd wake up in the morning and I have dropped down to 52 degrees, but then sometimes the heat wouldn't shut off. And all of a sudden it would be like pushing 80 degrees, right? So the regulation of the heating system got a little bit out of balance. Okay. When I talk about regulation, I'm talking about regulation with regards to ultimately behaviors. But what I'm talking about is the regulation of the energy and arousal that is underneath those behaviors that's causing the behaviors. And this energy and arousal is the energy and arousal of our autonomic nervous system. This part of our nervous system that is supplying the energy that our body needs to be alive, right? The energy and arousal that we need for our hearts to beat and for our you know, lungs to breathe, this, the same energy arousal of our autonomic nervous system that's responsible for these kind of automatic parts of staying alive, that energy and arousal is also driving and underneath behaviors. And it's this energy and arousal that then also gets combined with felt safety. Are we feeling safe or not feeling safe? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about felt safety, maybe later this week. Today, I want to stay really focused on regulation. So this autonomic nervous system has an accelerator and has a brake, just like I said, like our heating and cooling systems, you know, like it either go, go, go more, 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 or less, 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 right? The brake. Too much of either of those, right, is what's can you know what we end up calling dysregulation right like too much heat heat in and of itself isn't bad right like i want the heat in my basement right now because it's winter and 23 degrees and snowing outside but if it's too much then it starts to be extremely uncomfortable or if it's too little that's when it starts to get extremely uncomfortable so it's the um, challenges and regulation and the energy and arousal of our autonomic nervous system combined with a lack of felt safety and again, I'll talk about felt safety in an upcoming episode, although you can find an article about felt safety on my blog if you don't want to wait um, any longer. So it's this disruption in regulation, a dysregulation combined then with a lack of felt safety that is what is leading to the behaviors that we are seeking for help with, right? Oppositional behaviors, defiant behaviors, aggressive behaviors, lying, stealing, 
um, sexually acting out, drug use, tantruming, manipulation, and control. Every single one of these behaviors is about dysregulation in the nervous system combined with a lack of felt safety. So from that regard, regulation actually has literally everything to do with behaviors, everything. So it's definitely true that some behaviors really need to just stop. Like there needs to be an intervention that helps a behavior stop as fast as possible. We can think about kind of the classic example of the child who's running out into the middle of the street. We're not super worried about the child's regulation at that moment or their curiosity, the accelerator in their autonomic nervous system that is propelling them forward and, you know, having their legs move them forward into an unsafe situation, right? That when our kids are running into the road, we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about how do I respond right now to get this behavior to stop because there's a major safety issue on the line. And that that's true about other examples too, right? So sometimes we really do kind of put the concept of regulation on the back burner and we intervene as parents because we need the behavior to stop as fast as possible, almost always because there's some sort of safety issue involved, safety for our child or safety for someone else. But there are also a lot of behaviors that aren't causing like an immediate safety threat. And if we as the adults have the opportunity to pause and consider the regulation, the energy and arousal that's underneath and driving that behavior, we're not only going to first of all, possibly be even more successful at stopping the behavior in the moment because we're going to be targeting what the real problem is. So we might be actually even more successful at stopping the behavior in the moment, but we're also going to be responding in a way that offers the support to the nervous system, to the autonomic nervous system, to the regulatory system that is going to help our kids move towards the inner health, the inner wellness, the integration that is what's going to contribute to long-term change as well. Okay, so focusing on regulation and seeing how we can support regulation is going to do more than just change the behavior in the moment. It's going to create the inner change that's needed for long-term change in the future. Now, I'm not promising that focusing on regulation is going to even stop the behavior in the moment. It's a lot more complex than that. You know, like what's happening with the behavior and why this behavior is happening. Um, But I do know that if we focus on like what the real problem is, what's really driving the behavior, we still have the potential to kind of impact and change or stop the behavior in the moment, the behavior that does need to change, as well as creating the opportunity for the the healing and the health and the and the regulation in the nervous system that's going to impact long-term change. Hey, y'all, I'm interrupting the show super briefly. I want to make sure you've heard about the Families Rising Conference. Families Rising was 
is formally NACAC. So maybe you've been to the NACAC conference. You don't know that they're now Families Rising. So Families Rising is the formally NACAC conference. It is one of my absolute most favorite conferences because of the super amazing people who attend. Everyone has this like shared mission for helping our most vulnerable kids and improving child welfare practices listening to the voices of those with the lived experience. And I'm so, 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 so honored to be keynoting this year's conference. This conference is offered virtually every other year, which increases accessibility and people's ability to attend, especially affordably. And it is this year that it's virtual. So you can attend this conference from anywhere. Head to robingobel.com slash families rising to get all the details and send me a message if you're planning to attend. All right, back to the episode. So how has regulation developed? Well, regulations developed inside attachment. In fact, Dr. Um, Alan Shore has, you know, I don't know how long ago, probably 20 years ago at this point, published a paper called Attachment Theory is a Regulation Theory or something very similar to that. I might be mixing those words up a little bit. Uh, Attachment Theory is essentially a regulation theory, meaning regulation and our regulatory circuits, the part of our bodies that we're working to develop when we use words like self-regulation, there are mechanisms, there are things inside our nervous system that are you know, contributing to this eventual goal of self-regulation. Well, those mechanisms, the way we develop eventually long, long time down the road, self-regulation is through the attachment cycle. It is through the regulated caregiver, the regulated adult co-regulating the dysregulated infant. And this experience happens a lot, like a bajillion times, right? In the first year of life and way beyond, right? Like I'm parenting a 14 year old and I'm still regularly offering co-regulation to him. I regularly offer co-regulation to my husband and vice versa, right? But in these earliest years of life, inside that attachment dance of the regulated caregiver offering co-regulation to the infant, that those regulatory circuits begin to build and begin to be nurtured and begin to develop into what ultimately is what we call self-regulation. It takes a long time and like it takes years and years and years and years and years that it is through the co-regulation of the adult that we develop the ability to have internalized regulation. So if a child has missed co-regulation experiences in their early moments of life for a wide variety of reasons, if a child has missed the opportunity to develop regulation through being co-regulated by the adult, we can still contribute and support the same development of those same mechanisms by continuing to offer co-regulation, by continuing to bring our regulation to our child's dysregulation. We are developing the neural circuitry of internalized self-regulation. The thing is, is that it's just really challenging to do that, right? Like it's 
a lot easier, theoretically, to co-regulate a dysregulated infant, right? But also sometimes it's not, right? Because sometimes infants are harder to soothe or sometimes because of what's happening for us, it's harder for us to stay regulated in order to soothe and co-regulate the infant. And we get overwhelmed and we get dysregulated and then we we can't, right? Like we can't co-regulate that infant. So it's easier to co-regulate an infant, but it's not easy, right? So as children get older, right? And they're five or they're eight or they're 15 and dysregulation isn't just expressed by crying, right? Dysregulation is expressed in behaviors that are pretty difficult to navigate, lying and stealing, drug use, screaming at you, swearing at you. This is still an expression of dysregulation, but man, is it harder for us as the adult to stay regulated during these behaviors so that we can offer up the co-regulation that is what's really needed to create the change inside the nervous system that will allow for kind of long-term health and ultimately change, right? So understanding regulation and what regulation has to do with everything, but we're especially talking about behaviors right now, means that we can feel confident that kids who are displaying negative behaviors that are, that's about dysregulation, don't need punishment, right? They don't need punishment to get those behaviors to stop. They need boundaries and they need co-regulation, right? So an example of this is a child with some delayed internalized regulation might struggle, let's say at recess time, more than their same age peers. So this child might struggle to have socially appropriate behaviors. They might struggle with turn taking. They might struggle with knowing how to engage with their peers on playground equipment or connect with their peers in the kind of like games that are happening on the playground. And then this struggle often looks like behaviors that we feel that we need to, you know, have a punishment for, or have a consequence for, um, because they're being mean to their friends, or they're even hitting or kicking or throwing sand, right? Or um, having huge tantrums because they just can't figure out how to navigate these experiences. And so we want to respond with punishments or consequences, but what's really happening is that the child in a situation like recess has almost certainly lost a lot of the adult co-regulation that they need in order to engage with their peers in socially appropriate ways, right? Because at recess, a child is almost certainly has less connection to a regulated adult, 
than they do, for example, in the classroom, right? First of all, the children are have more energy moving through their systems because they're out, out on the playground and they're, they've got more energy going, but also teachers and a professional parents, adults, even though they're present, they're not you know, pro providing the level of connection and co-regulation that children are receiving in other circumstances, right? So this isn't an about a kid who doesn't know how to behave or um, who only, you know, knows how to engage with their peers in controlling ways or who is waiting for the adult to not be present so that they can act bad, right? It's not about any of those things. It's simply about having lost some of the adult kind of co-regulation that they need. Now, it may be frustrating to us that the 10-year-old on the playground needs the level of adult co-regulation that a toddler needs, right? Like we don't throw, you know, like, 50 toddlers onto a playground while adults stand on the periphery and assume that they're going to figure out how to be with one another, right? Like a toddlers need a lot more adult connection, a lot more adult co-regulation, a lot more support as they navigate these experiences. So it might be true that you have an older child that is simply just developmentally delayed and having internalized the co-regulation. So when they then are um, not able to access the co-regulation of the regulated adult, they aren't able to be successful in these situations that are actually quite complex when it comes to social skills. Another example that is comes to mind for me right away is I get, I have a teenager, so I am dealing with different kinds of dysregulated behavior. Like for example, maybe mouthiness or disrespect, right? And if I'm regulated, I can be with my child when this mouthiness or this disrespect is coming to the surface. And if I'm regulated enough, I can set a boundary and say something like, oh, hey, buddy, like we don't talk to each other that way in this family. And, but then I can also try to get at what the real problem is, right? Like I can think in the back of my mind, like, what's really going on? What's causing this dysregulation? And how can I offer the co-regulation that's needed so that my kid can come into regulation and then his goodness, right? His wonderfulness, his normal teenagerness emerges because that's what his brain is designed to do, right? Our brains are designed for us when we're regulated, when we're connected and when we're feeling safe to emerge as our best selves. So parenting with some co-regulation beyond what is maybe expected or typical for how old our child is or how chronologically old our child is, is very active parenting, right? And honestly, it's very frustrating that as our kids get older, we don't get to decrease how active we are in our parenting. We're supposed to be able to decrease how active we are in offering up co-regulation, how active we are in you know, the kinds of parenting that our kids need in order to be successful. That's the trajectory of 
development that my 14 year old needs a lot less co-regulation than he did when he was four years old, except for those of us who are parenting kids who didn't get the co-regulation that they needed, or they have other brain-based differences that are causing them to need more co-regulation than their same age peers do, right? So one more thing I wanna mention about why understanding regulation is so important. And it's because it helps us see our kids for who they really are. A child who's dysregulated, a child who's a really great kid, but who happens to be dysregulated. Now, maybe they're dysregulated a lot or what feels like almost always, right? But that still doesn't change the fact that they're a really great kid who is dysregulated. And even if I can't stop like a behavior or come up with a tool or technique that's going to change their behavior, holding tight onto my belief that it's regulation that is what's underneath this behavior impacts how I see my child and how we see our kids matters because how we see people contributes to who they are and who they become. So when we change how we see people, that's a way that we're offering up the opportunity for people to change, right? So because of mirror neurons and the resonance circuitry and all this other like really cool stuff that's happening in the brain and the mind and the body and the nervous system, changing how we see people changes people. So when we understand regulation, we get to see our kids as kids who are struggling with regulation, right? They're not bad kids. They're kids who are struggling with regulation. And then eventually our kids are gonna start to believe that about themselves. They're good kids who are struggling, right? And when our kids can shift their beliefs about who they are, their behaviors shift. Believing that we are a good person who is struggling changes our behaviors, right? So now I know that being able to stay really grounded and really anchored in seeing our kids through the lens of regulation requires what? It requires a lot of our own regulation, a lot of regulation, especially as our kids get older and as their dysregulated behaviors get maybe more triggering or more dangerous or we get closer to them launching out into the real world right and that increases our dysregulation because we start to feel like oh my gosh i'm running out of time right so parenting in this way obviously requires a ton of our own regulation i absolutely know that and that's why one of the primary things that I talk about with parents of kids with really challenging behaviors and dysregulated behaviors and parents of kids with complex trauma is not only do we need to develop the tools, not only do we need to develop the interventions, because I know part of you right now is even thinking, okay, all of this sounds great, but I don't understand what it looks like. Just tell me what to do. I know that. I know that's what so often our brain goes to. But truly, like the most important tool continues to be how do we as parents stay regulated enough so that we can see our kids through this lens, we can know that what they need is regulation, connection, or felt safety, so that we can then respond with, with that, right? Like if 
just knowing the tools isn't enough because we're too dysregulated to use them, right? So what's regulation got to do with it? Well, it's got a lot to do with ha what's happening for our kids, but it has a lot to do with what's happening for us too. And why you'll continue to hear me talk about how to support parents regulation. And that's why I have so many resources on that. So I'm going to continue this conversation. I'm going to keep coming back and I'm going to keep offering you more and more ideas. And in the meantime, you can head over to my blog and you can head over to my free resources page. So robingobel.com backslash blog and then robingobel.com backslash free resources has a lot of good stuff on it, including a deeper dive into the understanding of regulation. But it also has a couple of resources very specific towards how to help parents maintain more regulation, in the, especially in the midst of a lot of chaos that we can't always control. Alrighty, and there you have it, a closer look at what I mean when I use the word regulation and why it matters. For an even deeper dive, you can watch my free 45-minute masterclass on regulation, connection, and felt safety over at robingobel.com backslash free resources. Understanding the neurobiology of being human is the first pillar in bringing true relational healing to kids and families. If you loved this podcast, please share. I'll see you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe big sigh of relief, like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast 
Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.